0: Hello everybody and welcome to Comic Club, your friendly neighborhood comic book podcast. I am your host, Blaine McGaffigan, and I am joined, as always, by Adam, who, I'm seeing that on your back, you starting to develop this strange, spiral-shaped growth. Cook, how you doing, buddy, and have you gotten that checked out? I'm worried. Listen...
1: I'm doing my own research on it, but my favorite band is The Magnificent Snails. So take that for what you will, but it's great to be here, Blaine. How you doing?
0: Doing well. We are right in the middle of October. It is or at the end of October. It's Halloween, baby. It's spooky season, my favorite time. We have chosen a book to kind of reflect the season, get into the vibe. We are streaming today live from Caruso Quick warning, we will be spoiling this month's comic, so proceed with caution. Adam, take it away. What did we read this month? This month, we read Uzumaki by Junji Ito, which follows the
1: tragic tale of high schooler Kiri as she witnesses her town being overtaken by a nightmarish and deadly curse. As more and more spirals present themselves in every facet of life, the people of Kuruzucho, become infected in disturbing ways that often end in their grotesque death. Will Kiri make it out, or is she destined to be trapped inside of the spiral? Blaine, what would you think about Uzumaki and our first dabble into manga?
0: Yeah, this was an awesome place to start. Manga is just, you know, it's different. And, you know, we, we're we're trying to put our finger on... What is it that makes manga kind of a different vibe? What I loved about this story is the real day-to-day life, the peoples, the places they live, the town is such a character in this. It is, you know, like, you know, one of the big characters. It turns into the, the spiral that is pulling everybody in in Dragonfly Pond. But I just love this sort of town and then you start to get these snapshots into kiri's past and and you see her as a as a girl and then some of the friends she met she's met and this transported me to japan in a big way and that is something that i um the manga and you know anime that I have seen really does well is it really transports me. And I love it when it's set kind of in our real world, as opposed to some some of the really hardcore fantasy manga and stuff where it's just like, I feel like I'm getting a little glimpse of life. Granted, this is like crazy horrific and there's some insane body horror stuff, but that's something I really st- dug about this for sure. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point um, because – There are these kind of little slices of life that are just embedded in there. One of the things I remember is her always walking places, walking to school, you know, walking to go see her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of had this sort of small town intimacy that it added to it that I really liked too. And I, I did feel that kind of feeling of being transported and just the idea of being immersed in a different experience, especially the way that the panels and the pages are oriented and reading opposite of what we're used to. We touched about on this in our first impressions, but you know, reading from right to left, um, it just takes it into a whole new experience, honestly, where I had to, at first I had to really focus on that and really Mm -hmm. work on it. But after a while I just got used to it and that flow just kind of, it just changed it and made it a little more unique. Um, was definitely surprised at the amount of panels per pages.
0: Yeah, it was dense. It was it was quite dense. You know, this is a book we picked up and we were like, you know, we can make it through this bad boy. You know, it's going to read quickly. And like you said, I mean, it is packed to the gills with content. You know, I mean, there's there's six panels. This feels like minimum per page.
1: But I do feel like it moved pretty fast because I think the way that you know, it's broken up into the chapters. They're shorter than a traditional comic book. So they move pretty quick and until very deep into the story, they're pretty contained little chapters and stories that you don't really see the entire connection until later on. But what did you think about that sort of that transition of being this kind of very, you know, serialized tale, serialized to episodic, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of that because at the beginning, I thought this was just going to be this one long mega arc because, you know, she says, I'm gonna, I want to tell you about what happened in our town. I just imagine this huge, intense, sort of epic story. And like you said, th- they were episodes. It, for a bit there, it was like, here's the one with the jack-in-the-box boy. Here's the one with the butterflies. Here's the one with the mosquitoes. Here's the one with this, that. And and I... I Personally love that in my storytelling. I I sort of miss it. You know, I think of like I think of X-Files as this perfect example because there is the mega season arc where they do kind of tell the big picture of what happens with Scully and Mulder and 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 there is a you know a beginning and an end to each season but throughout there is these monster of the weeks that will just come and they don't really add to that story besides just deepen the characters or I think in the case of this book it wasn't as much the characters but the mystery of the town sure
1: yeah and i think because you know, with TV, that makes sense. It was a really good vehicle for them to be able to tell this continuing story while filling out their entire season and not just, you know, being packed to the gills with um, long overarching plot. kind of keeps the new viewers more interested when you have a an, you know, encapsulated story. You know what it kind of reminded me a little bit of at the beginning? Are you afraid of the dark? Oh, yeah. How so? Well, just that sort of really contained stories. And like you said, they had very clear themes. Most of them were named kind of about what it was going to be about. But it's just, you know, this is the -the jack-in-the-box or this is the snail one. And I I was just kind of vibing on that, too. And I was surprised when it did start to connect it. And honestly, I didn't really feel like it added that much to the, the overall story because it didn't really connect it in such a tight and satisfying way that I felt like it was necessary.
0: Well, you well let's get into that because I think I mean if you're talking about the ending and again we mentioned spoilers at the top of this episode, the ending gets pretty crazy really fast and I think it that's whenever it really starts to pick up so I, I would love to hear you know you you kind of mentioned that like like what are your viewpoints on sort of the ending and how that transition from the episodic to the sort of um you know big end grand finale or whatever
1: I thought it was a bit abrupt. I okay. remember when we were talking about this as we read it, I did say that the end really picks up because it, it does start to just really catch steam towards the end and you see kind of finally they're connecting all these stories. They're coming back together. But I just thought if we're judging this book as a story from beginning to the end, yeah. they should have been doing more of weaving these stories into the overarching narrative. And one thing... That stuck out to me is Kiri should have tried to get out of there way early. It's it's so late. There's one moment where she finally says, that was the moment I knew I had to get out. And it's like, there's like three chapters left at that yes. point. <laughs> yes. thinking, why, have, why has everyone been staying in this town for so
0: long? All this horrible, horrible stuff happens to her. And I'm like, oh man, she... Like, I can't believe all this new stuff is happening to her. Like, she's got to want to get out of there. And then all of a sudden it starts doing these flashback chapters where it's like all this horrible stuff had been happening to her her whole life. And I'm like, oh, this isn't new stuff. It, it, it had always been this way. I'm like, why is she still there? And why is Suichi her boyfriend, the only one who seems to want to get out of this town and he still doesn't? he doesn't and nobody listens to him <laughs> right. he says it the
1: whole time this town is in trouble we gotta get out yeah. of here Yeah, and nobody cares another thing that was you know kind of felt like a little late addition sure. that I would have liked a little earlier on mm-hmm. was the reporter they introduced this whole late character that just became an important character yes. and she was on the journey with us towards the end why wasn't she in there the whole time you know why wasn't she trying to report on this thing the entire time
0: no, I, I think that's all fair enough. And I know this is a collection of three volumes that were like, you know, put out at different times. And I just wonder with, you know, the way Junji Icho created this, if the story kind of built and came together over time. Because what you're saying is, um, it, I, I, I think you can sense it as a reader, is the sort of changes in direction. And like it was kind of doing one thing and then now it turns into this huge Lovecraftian um, you know, underground world where there's all these spirals and all the townspeople are turning into stone. And it's building like this city, which the visuals of that and the concepts of that, I find just awesome. And I love these really sort of like mystical, unexplained things. And then the town seals itself at the end. But to your point, that was almost completely unrelated to everything that had kind of come before in a way that could have been teased, I think, a little bit cleaner. Um something else I was going to mention about the uh episodes themselves or or this is something actually I wanted to ask you did you have like one of the favorite chapters or one of the favorite episodes and and I'll I'll let you think on it a, a bit and I'll just tell you my favorite cuz this is when the comic really started to get real for me most of the stuff that had happened in the early stuff happened like two people and it was it was horrific And it was like gruesome or whatever, but it was mostly like things happening to you in this spiral infected this one person. And that one person kind of like got messed up in a way. But it was the mosquito episode, which is the one in the hospital with the pregnant women that really, really tripped me out because they started trying to come after Kiri right and so they were trying to murder her with like these corkscrews where they were going to drink blood because they were feeding like mosquitoes to (laughs) to, like to get eggs they wanted blood for their eggs and then that shot where the doctor puts the fetus back in the belly I was like oh my gosh this is disgusting
1: yeah that was horrifying and I'm glad you brought that up because that was (laughs) That was gonna be in my art awards, and it was oh. so gross. I just left it out because I said I don't even want to describe
0: this entire panel. <laughs> <laughs> and they were eating like, like I oh, it's it's just too gross. It was it was like uh, their placenta was turning into fungus that they were like feeding to the hospital, and they were turning into spiral people. Guys, if you're listening to this and you haven't read it. it we're talking about amongst the crazier of the stuff, but it's all freaking nuts. I mean, the first kill in this is the first death in this, not a kill is, is really horrific body horror. And we'll get into some of it with our art awards as well. Um, but I, I I don't know. I, I kind of like that episodic nature and something is, um, I like that. He just goes so deep into this theme. Like it is just one visual theme. And Jinchi Ito minds it more than I could ever imagine in my life. Just finds every spiral connection. Um. So well done in so many
1: ways that you see it and you think, of course, that's that's another spiral. How did Uh I not think of Uh this spiral? And yeah, I, I was really impressed with that too.
0: But but I wanted to come to you. Did you uh, get a chance to think of a uh, an episode or a chapter that that stood out to you that you wanted to comment on? I mean, the one that stuck with me a lot,
1: I think, was the one about was I think it was Kiri's mother who gets put into the hospital, um, and she just starts seeing spirals everywhere,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. She notices them on her fingertips, and really early on, they allude to the fact that your ear, your eardrum, has a spiral shape to it, and yep. you ju- you just knew where it was going. You could see the train on the tracks, and you're just waiting for it to get into the station. And sure enough, when she r- realizes there's a spiral in her ear, she tries to get rid of it and she oh. stabs herself in the ear.
0: God, the the sort of ramping up of. The visual horror of this, like I said, the first kill is like, you just discover this body who had he wrapped himself in the spiral in a really grotesque way. And then I think what I think yours was like one of the second or third where it's slowly then they start inflicting it onto themselves, and then other people, and it just keeps going deeper and deeper. It's crazy. All right, let's move it on because we're, we might be stepping on some of our art awards and, and some of our best lines already. Let's move it all over to the section of the show where we showcase the written word and highlight our favorite moments of dialogue, exposition, and more. Adam, kick it off. What is your first best line?
1: I felt like it was... a a little more challenging in this one to kind of pin down our best lines and I think we talked about this a little bit. It's because maybe there's a little, it's a little more economic in its in its dialogue and its writing. Maybe not quite as flowery as some of the prose that we're used to. I also wonder if maybe there's a little lost in translation. Who knows? Um, I don't speak Japanese and I'm not going to learn it and then read the original text to see how it compares. But Let's dive into these best lines. Here's my first one. It's from um, Kiri's father, and he is starting to get pretty pretty influenced by the spiral. And he's, um, he's a, a ceramic worker. And so he says, ceramics are made from earth and fire. In other words, it's the work of nature. We try our best with human hands, but sometimes nature can create things beyond our imagination. After all most shapes are really patterns, but we can only see a piece of them at a time. And I thought that was just a very beautiful, kind of, you know, one of the few pretty pieces of this story. And it kind of has that that Japanese, you know, beauty and and kind of the uh, simplicity in that statement.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of like digging into like the Philosophical underpinnings of like shapes and patterns and stuff, which I which sounds like Junji Ito spend a lot of time thinking about. So that that's a good one. My first is okay. This is just describing the town. I, I described um the town as a character. I think this encapsulates it very well. In Kuruzuchō, there have always been row houses and ruins. Some are hidden between new buildings. Some in the open, side by side while others on the verge of collapsing can be found on the outskirts of town. You and gotta that, watch out for those outskirts. Gotta watch out. And that, that was a moment, I you were mentioning it, where it was like they introduced the snails, they introduced the row houses, they introduced the whirlwind, they introduced all these aspects that would come together at the end. And the row houses became the only safe haven for the whirlwinds and the spiral patterns and it turned into um, where the people lived and then they built this huge spiral pattern with the row houses and they're the only things that survived since the last spiral like infection or spiral curse of the town that happened centuries ago or whatever. That's the way I perceived it at least. But um, yeah, I, I wrote that line down and then once I was reviewing my best lines, I was like, oh yeah, the row houses became so important. I, I I'm glad I had that.
1: Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, your subconscious mind knew it.
0: There you go. All right, my next
1: one comes towards the end. Things are getting pretty dire. They've run out of food, and there are people that have turned into snails. Snails are food. And so Kiri says um, she's just witnessed her boyfriend, Suichi, eat one of these, and she says, that night I ate the meat of a snail person. <laughs> There's just something so uh, serious it, that that line just takes itself so seriously in this uh, completely absurd situation where yeah. there are there are snail people. And yeah. we, it just is so funny in that moment. The fact that someone would, you know, have to clarify that. And I, I was... I laughed in the moment. I'm laughing now. I yeah. love that line.
0: No, I agreed. I, that was another on my best lines that I had to uh, remove because I think Adam's Reed was much better. But another thing about that that I wanted to mention is Suicha. So all right, guys. You, you're you're going to have to forgive us on all these pronunciations of the names, FYI, because, you know, we're doing our best. Guys, It's our first manga. Give us a break here. Um, but he's chowing down. And I love the way this book depicts him in this story because his parents are the first to die. And he is like, he's got rings under his eyes. Nobody listens to him. Kiri has to bring him his food. His his glasses are like cracked and he's like always like, there's one where he's like on a pole like dangling there and he's just like cursed cursed and just like seeing him like deteriorate and then eat and like then r- ravagingly like eat that snail person i just love that
1: just such a broken <clears throat> man i love the way that he was drawn he always has like heavy eyebrows yes. just he's so so serious and yes. so concerned with everything yeah. that's happening, and no one
0: is paying yeah. attention to him. You know, he's not getting sleep. He's got those serious dark circles, and man, he is just he's just a broken man. Poor guy. He he's my yeah. MVP. He did his best. <laughs> he did his best. And, and then okay, hold on. You actually said this line, but this was my line, and it comes right after she eats the snail person. So at the end, it's like the only time we kind of get this exposition is like at the end of the chapters when it's like her reflecting on it and it's it is kind of like it's kind of flowery but it's also kind of funny because sometimes it's just a little bit silly and like you said you know she ate a snail person and then right after that in that moment i knew i had to escape it's like and it was like that moment's when you realize it it took you that like then it took you that I'm- long that is
1: the best uh, one-two punch, because that made me laugh so hard. Yeah. It's so late in
0: the book for her yeah. to finally realize she has to get out of there. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Eating snail people is bad. I mean, yeah. But that moment, you had, you had people trying to murder you and drink your blood. I mean, come well, on. I then. mean, where
1: do you draw the line? Her hair was enchanted. Her hair tried to kill her <laughs> yeah. at one
0: point. <laughs> yeah. And the Jack in the Box, when he pops out of the grave and his pop and is jumping around on like the car spring, that's just horrifying. Oh
1: god. Get out of there way earlier. Alright, my last one is on the very last page, last panel, like Blaine said, um, the row houses have now formed a giant spiral. They just kept getting built in this shape that made them for turn into a giant spiral. And uh They wrap it up, and basically you find out that the ending is just the beginning, they say. So the curse was over the same moment it began, the endless frozen moment I spent in Suichi's arms. And it will be the same moment when it ends again, when the next Kuruzucho is built amidst the ruins of the old one, when the eternal spiral awakes once more. Mm. Nice wrap up.
0: Nice wrap up. And, you know, there's just this something about, gosh, I love, you know, Asian art and European art because they can always tie back to this history and lineage through architecture and civilization in a way that America... We just can't because we're such a new country and and we have Native Americans and I know there's some stuff that, you know, there's like, you know, burial grounds. If you just want to talk about the horrific elements and stuff like that, I think the shining Titan, and stuff like that. But as far as the architecture and like the people and what like it was left over from them, we just don't get that as much. And that's something that I really always identify with in kind of the horror of You know, European, we mentioned like ghost stories of manors and mansions in Europe and England. And then, like this, like the row houses, I picked that up because I could, you could just like sense it with the architecture. And I love stuff like that.
1: Yeah. It was, it was a really, really nice way to tie up that story, I thought.
0: All right. And then my last best line is. Is, okay, and this is after one of the segments when they're in a lighthouse, and it's just one of her wrapping up, up segments. The following day, six bodies were discovered in the lighthouse. One of them was the body of a boy. And still, every night, the lighthouse streams forth a swirling grow, glow. They say they'll demolish it someday. And that that's just another perfect example of like these you know, end of chapter codas that like just, it punctuates it. And it, and he does d- deliver a good job of kind of like wrapping it up, but then still keeping the sort of mystery alive. All right, let's move over to the best at what they do. This is the sac- section where we talk about the creators themselves, covering how they got started in comics and highlighting their notable work. This is all done by Junji Ito. I mean, this guy draws, writes every panel of this and you know we we talked about this before for new comic listeners we're always trying to throw a definition to here that is called a cartoonist maybe that definition is maybe a little bit different in the east i'm not sure but uh we call that people who draw and write cartoonists kind of like a singer songwriter and um his work started to be coming over from japan in 2001 and viz media put out three volumes i'm going to kind of keep this bibliography fairly short his three most famous works are uh Tomie, which has been adapted into like a lot it's like an eight series film series over in japan and then there was a quibi show remember quibi remember that i do yeah, yeah. did you ever watch anything of quibi no definitely not Quibi for for anybody out there was like a, failed streaming service that you watch on your phone had was going to do an adaptation of uh, Tomie. And so it, it tells the story of a beautiful young, like, succubus woman who's like this ghost ghastly figure, and she's beautiful. She always woos men, and then they try to eventually kill her, but she cannot die. She keeps coming back and back and back. Next, Uzumaki, which we read, obviously. It is among his most famous works. Viz Media, the publisher, has put out these dope hardback editions, um, And um, I love this. And then the last of this sort of hardback trilogy that is, is his among his most famous is Gyo, which is tells the story of like this bio agent that infects these dead fish in this town. And they develop like legs and crawl onto land and try to bite the town. So, you know, creepy stuff. But then if you ever watch interviews or see Junji Ito, He's a pretty like chill looking normal dude. And he was like a dentist apprentice for a bit where he was just doing dental work and then he got into manga and he's got a story and i haven't read this one but it was one of the ones that stood out to me as interesting it's called jinji ito's cat diary yan and mu and he adopted two cats this is 2008 and 2009 he adopted two cats and he tells it i was looking at some of the panels it almost looks horrific where he like wakes up out of bed and there's like a cat like in the corner staring at him and it's his like just interactions with these cats and again in. i've just like looked at some panels but i'm like this dude is just a weird guy who's drawing like the most disgusting body horror in Uzumaki, and then just like you know <laughs> doing a story about two cats that he's adopted it's like a little memoir i mean in the back of this book there's a little uh um a part where it's about him creating it and he has a dream in the spiral did he read the afterward and stuff like that um, yeah, the, like, the lost, whatever it is. Well, well, there's the lost chapter, which is about the galaxy, but then there's, like, these couple pages at the very, very end where it's him, like, calling his... Um, it's it's Junji Ito calling his book editor and he's like, I'm doing a story about spirals. And he's like, oh, we're going to go to this town. There's an expert on spirals. And then they go there and it was like all a dream. It was just like a couple pages. But um, anyway, check that one. Out. He seems like a funny dude. I just wanted to mention that. Um, he has won three Eisners. First was for best adaptation of another medium for he did Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Then this past year in 2021, just this year, he won two New Eisners: Best Writer slash Artist for Ramina and Venus in the Blind Spot. Those both got published this year, and then in, and then he also won Best U.S. Edition of International Material for Ramina. So the dude just won two. Uh, he's got three total. He's a horror manga icon. That's going to wrap it up for the best of what they do. Let's move it over to the art awards. This is the segment where we hand out awards for s- specific visual moments. It could be a single panel. It can be the lettering. And sometimes it can be a whole scene. Adam, take it away. What's your first art award?
1: My first art award comes very, very early in The book, I think this is in the second chapter, and um, this is when they've buried Suichi's father, and they cremate, or excuse me, they don't bury him. They had a funeral for him, and they cremate him, and his ashes, when they go up into the sky, they form, what do they form? A spiral, of course. Not only that, though, they form a giant, horrific face, and it's kind of this open mouth um you know edward munch the scream kind of thing with this spiral coming out of its mouth like a snake coming out of its mouth in the sky this is a two-page spread and there's tons of texture with the smoke it almost looks like it was done you know with like a charcoal brush or something it's really cool looking and
0: so um i'm giving that the up and smoke award up and smoke award baby love it my first award okay i i i I'm always like, should I describe it first or should I give the award first? I'm just going to describe it. Early on, and again, I don't have a ton of background in Japanese, you know, history, storytelling, whatever, but I always think of these... Japanese schoolgirls as ghosts, as horrific, as haunting. In one of the early stories, there's this beautiful, beautiful girl that all the boys in the town love. She's got this really unique, small spiral in, on her forehead, and they all like it. It gets bigger, and it gets bigger, until you see this panel where, <laughs> you know, and it had taken over most of her head, but then this one, she finally takes off her hat and this spiral has enveloped her whole forehead and her eyeball. And her eyeball is sitting at the bottom of basically her forehead, which is turned into a funnel that's being sucked into the back of her brain. And then there's this string of four panels after that where her eyeball, <laughs> and you see slurp, and is going spiral shaped as it's being sucked down into the depths of the spiral in her head. And that is... The Into the Spiral award. Ugh. Chilling. I wonder where that eyeball was going. Like, what's the end point there? Well, well, seriously. Well, the the boy got sucked in the spiral, and she did too. They all got sucked in the spiral. That spiral, I
1: mean, it comes for everyone. It does. Nobody's safe. Nobody made it out, really. No. No one. Okay. My next award is the They Went There Award. Also, early on, they really just dive right in with the grotesque horror and the body horror. And um, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, so we kind of stepped on it a bit. But when Kiri's mother was in the hospital, she's losing her mind. She's seeing spirals everywhere. She's shaving her head because she sees spirals in her hair. And the thing, you know, eventually she stabs herself in the ear. um, And uh, that's horrible but the thing that really got me was when she noticed that she had spirals on her fingertips and um they give you a, a half page panel that's her just holding up her bloody fingertip hand as she is snipping off one of the fingertips um a huge big snip and she's like screaming basically as she does this with her little bald head and uh I was I was terrified by it and I have a thing when I watch, you know, movies or TV show with with cutting, with slicing. Yes. I'm I'm fine with someone getting stabbed. Yes. I'm fine with someone getting shot, with getting exploded honestly, but like a slow slice
0: kills me. I can't do it. Oh god, you're so right and something for me too is um fingers. Because I always think of fingernails and the thing that haunted me, you know, we mentioned uh Cronenberg on our who is this four Cronenberg heads and the fly. There's the fly. a moment where he's pulling off his fingernails, and that just disgusts me so much. And you always hear about like dancers, you know, like ballet dancers and their their like fingernails, and oh god, I just just like snipping off your uh, the the pads of your fingers. Oh God, it just it's just excruciating. Ooh, that's a painful one. It is. It is. All right, my second art award. All right, this one's pretty simple. This one's pretty chill, and it's during that. Um, Hospital scene and uh, Kiri is just like freaking out. Kiri, she's freaking out. She's like, "There, nobody's listening to me. All the all the women at died are trying to kill me." And she's she runs for some reason. I can't remember. I'm not looking at it in context. And she falls down the stairs. But I love this depiction so much, and it just shows the power of Junji Ito. And it's just this shot of stairs. And it's, you see like kind of like a little explosion where it looks like her head hit the stairs and then her body is just topsy turvy over itself. But this is going to win the best Speed Lines award because I love Speed Lines and you just see it. I, I don't know if it came from manga or, you know, it was a Western thing, but I love it when... You just see all the lines converge in a way where it really does show motion of what's happening. And then I always think of like Dragon Ball Z where they're like, and it like zooms into their eyeballs and like the lines all like go back and you just kind of get these like they're moving so fast or it just does like these really kind of, you know, like unique ways of depicting visuals and movement. And I just, I don't know. I love that scene.
1: That's great. Yeah, I love it when they do that super fast speed.
0: Yeah. It it um, it's so simple but so effective.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wonder I feel like it's an anime an anime thing, but who knows? Maybe it comes from maybe it comes from the West. My last one, a little lighter, a little more levity. We did the gross one. We're gonna do a little lighter one. This one comes further, much further in, deep in. Um there's all these huge tornadoes that are going around town and at this point people have figured out how to ride these tornadoes and there's an awesome full page um, spread and it's mostly just just tornadoes you see kind of three big tornadoes all these awesome light lines to um, show the motion of the wind and a big big onomatopoeia going all the way down. It says, Woo! and there's this dude front and center who's riding it. He kind of looks like a, like a pilot. He's got basically like a pilot's fuzzy collared jacket. He's got some, some sunglasses on and I want to know more about these guys. You know what? I want to get a whole freaking book about these guys. So I'm giving this <laughs> the spin-off award. <laughs>
0: yeah and he's spinning too. Oh man. Yeah. I love that. The spin off award. Uh, we want to see the gang that comes into town. They're eating snails. They're feasting on snails. They're just destroying hospitals, you know. They're just having a ball really. Just tearing it up. Yeah, the cyclones maybe they're called. I don't know. Yeah. And and I love it. They shot they stop at the store and you know, they get some flight gear. You know, you got to see. You got to have the goggles. You can't That's see. Right. It's, a, it's a lot of debris up there in the cyclone. The wind. The wind <laughs> speed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that award. That's a good one. Um, all right. My last art award is, you know, again, just a lot of this was depicting sort of the real world. I say real world. All right. It gets horrific, obviously. but But it, it was very realistic, trying to be photorealistic, grotesque at times, but then the chapter covers was a moment for Jinji Ito to really kind of be a little bit more artistic and have some artistic license to kind of do some interesting perspective work, I guess. This one's best chapter cover award, and it's the one for butterflies chapter, and you just see this beautiful butterfly that almost looks kind of like a moth because it has its kind of extended... I don't even know the terminology for a butterfly's beak or ma- mouth. that's like this spiral thing, whatever. And on its wings, it's got some beautiful spirals. But Kyrie is right there with, it's just her eyes and her hair. And her it's white. Her face is white. And just the things that he does, again, just blacks. He's just drawing in black. There's no, like, it's just either positive or negative that he's drawing. And she is just depicted in negative. So... Again, I love those chapter titles and then kind of trying to figure out, well, well what's going to happen in this? How is this going to relate to butterflies or whatever? So, um, best chapter cover award. I love it. I think it's called a Proboscis? Proboscis? The, oh, that sounds about right. No, actually, now that you say that, I'm like, that's that's ringing a bell of a year. That's ringing a bell. All right, let's move it on over. We got Adaptation Alley. Stroll down the alley with us. Um, Adam, why don't you tell us about Adaptation Alley? Adaptation Alley is where we talk about the
1: next life of this story. Beyond the panels, as we like to call it. We actually do a little mini-pods called Beyond the Panels, where we talk about these kinds of things. Uzumaki is currently being adapted into a series for American television And it's going to live on Cartoon Network's late-night anime programming block called Toonami. Toonami is huge. It's technically a part of Adult Swim, but the whole Cartoon Network Adult Swim thing gets kind of complicated. But Toonami has been around since the early 2000s, and um, it's kind of gone on different hiatuses, come and gone, I guess, a few times. But it's huge because it's introduced a ton of big anime properties to Westerners, and I bet a bunch of kids got their foundation for anime through Toonami. Dragon Ball Z is kind of the biggest one that I always I think watched of as it. being. Yep. Yeah. Almost everyone watched it. Um that was how I learned about Dragon Loved Ball it. Z for sure. So it's cool that it's coming back and it's being ushered in by this, by these hands. It's gotten pushed back several times. Um it looks like now it's set for a 2022 release, which hopefully. That happens. We don't know, but it's all going to be in black and white, which is really cool. It is going to be animated. I don't know if I said that, but it is going to be animated. Um, I looked up some of the creators involved, and I didn't recognize really any of them. Some of them have done some work for Cartoon Network in various forms. Um, one thing I saw though when I was doing my research is that there was an adaptation of this made a f- few years ago, maybe ten years ago. That was live action. Mm-hmm and it looks really bad. Everyone says that it's really bad. The CGI is really bad and they really try to go for um just kind of like they just didn't really get the body horror vibe of it and they use they should have gone all practical, you know.
0: I uh d- did you watch the trailer for it? I watched the trailer for okay. it. Did okay. You watch it? Did you yeah. Watch the for I watched it? the trailer for it too. And of little what I saw, there was, you know, the girl with the crazy hair walking through the halls. What I did like about it Every time they use, I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I was like, oh, they're capturing. Like, I, I know they saw that they showed the Jack in the Box. It, it looked pretty low, but like it looked fairly low budget. But I thought they were really leaning into the uh, visual style in an interesting way. But they had the Jack in the Box. They had the girl with the crazy curly hair walking through the hallway. And yeah, you're right, the CGI. But the one where I was like, oh, that was kind of interesting, and it looked kind of like the uh, the comic was. The snail people, and it was it was filmed like during that scene. it was like, here's some footage from a student from the school, and it was like, looked like a VHS tape with like this whenever the snails are calling crawling on the side of the building, and I was like, oh, not bad, okay. um yeah, that was a good way to use that. I don't sure. know if they got into I mean, you can't really get into the end of this like in a live action thing. I feel like it would just be too crazy unless your budget's out of this world. um but Adam, what do you think? like what would be your ideal way to adapt this the way Toonami is going to? Um, because this is a huge book. Like what would a season look like? Would this be multi-season? Would we do episodic? Like how would you imagine this if you were if you were in charge?
1: I would lean more into the episodic nature of it and try to remove more of the serialized aspect of it. So much of it is episodic that I think you could really... You know, just pick your favorite episodes, and I don't know. Maybe you do. Want- I just don't know if it, if it's if animation is consumed in the same way. Are there even really serialized animated shows? Um, I just I I wonder. I I don't not to say that there can't. There I mean, should like,
0: be. I mean, like Dragon Ball Z is a huge mega arc, right? That's true.
1: Yeah, yeah. That one. That one is. Um, and I guess that one they do kind of have. They would have like individual things to do within the episode that's also informing the overall yeah. arc and stuff so that's a good point i just think a lot of it comes down to kind of the 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 mood and the tone and i did you watch the trailer for this one because there is a trailer yes for that. yes i did and i think it's got a really good vibe it just seems really eerie um there's like, I remember, I, I, I should have watched it right before we did this, but I remember there was something with the, the score that was just really unsettling. No, the, I thought the, the mu- this is the right
0: way. The music was something I was going to call out if you didn't, because it really feels that creepy sense of dread. I mean, it feels like what, the, so basically all they showed, it wasn't even, it was like a little teaser that they showed when the guy said that they're going to push it back. That's what I watched at least. Yeah. And um and it's really just her showing in the town and you know she's speaking japanese so it's authentic you know the creators are japanese so um but it almost looks like a motion comic you know if you've seen a motion comic where it it really kind of is the backgrounds are completely still and not animated in the slightest. And then you'll just see a character like slowly move across. I mean, the character in this was definitely fully animated instead of kind of like just pushed across like a motion comic. But it did have that kind of weird juxtaposition of the still image and then the moving image, which I know is an animation technique. I mean, that's what like Disney does in their stuff where the backgrounds are oh, painted. Yeah. But it, it just, I don't know, it there was something visually about it that looked a little bit different because it would be like trees and I'm like, I need them to blow a little bit or something. There was like a well, weird lack of movement going on. But but it looks beautiful. It looks like the comic.
1: Yeah, it looks like the comic. It's all going to be in black and white, um, which is cool. I love that they're sticking with that. Definitely, I, I, I feel what you're saying. I feel like I see that you know, the kind of um, still backgrounds in a lot of Miyazaki too, or just low motion backgrounds maybe. And it seems like this is definitely from that same school of animation kind of or a a similar one, one maybe down the street.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then lastly, Adam, there were two Uzumaki video games. Did you know that? I saw that, but I, I don't really... Get too into
1: the uh, video game scene beyond, you know, my animal crossing. Just weed in my island. Classic, dude. But do you know anything about the video games? No.
0: There's literally nothing else to say about it. I was just like, I read that on the Wikipedia and I was like, how would this ever be a video game and why? I was I was like, w- who would want to play this video game and, <laughs> and how would it ever work? And why are there two of them? They thought that like they made another one?
1: oh man i now we got to check it out and see what they're all about Yeah,
0: didn't watch that trailer um who knows who knows but um let's go hunt down that we're gonna go go hunt it down we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna gonna get on ebay and find some japanese import we're gonna have to get a japanese playstation to probably play it because it's not gonna play western on western versions it's gonna be a whole thing so join us on the we need to come up with a show. There's are we'll coming with a new podcast for that. There's Beyond the Panels where we talk about the movies that inspire. Well, I guess that would be Beyond the Panels. Join us for our Beyond the Panels Uzumaki where we review the video game Uzumaki. Yeah. I can't wait for that. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, seriousness, we we should do one for the Adult Swim Toonami show. I think it would be fun to gather back. And, you know, I mean, that, that's going to be it, dude. This is our first manga. It's spooky season. We hope you're having a good and happy Halloween out there. You know, any women listeners out there, get your hair, get some curlers. You know, go as your favorite Uzumaki character. Get that shell on your back checked out, Adam. It's really starting to worry me. And It's fine. It's fine. And you can follow us at Comic Club Podcast across the internet. I am at Blaine McGaff on Twitter. I am Danger Adam on Instagram. Like us and leave a review. That's going to wrap it up for Uzumaki. Adam? Comic Club out. Comic Club is brought to you from Upper Esh Media. This episode was edited by Adam J. Cook. Our intro and outro music is by Tiger Cup. Katie Livingston, at Living Kate, designed our logo. If you enjoyed the episode, tell a friend, follow us on social, at Comic Club Podcast, and join our Facebook group to continue the conversation online. Remember, everyone, read more comics.